0: You know, most of the time, um, us pastors, we, we give you the sermon first, and then at the end, we like to give some next steps or some, like, calls to action for you. I figure, let's just jump to the end, and I'm going to start off with a call to action for you all this morning. Uh, two weeks from today is June 11th, and we are having baptisms on June 11th. And yeah, that's exciting. If, if you have not been baptized, we want you to do so. We're calling you to, to follow up uh, from hearing God's word today by being baptized. Take that step of obedience in faith, if God's calling you to that, and be baptized. And if you've already been baptized, well, then today I want to challenge you to do that thing that God's been calling you to do and you haven't been. Right? Take that step of obedience and respond to what God's been placing on, on your heart. Right, to A step of obedience is, is the call today. And that's, that's kind of an ugly word for a lot of us, obedience. We don't like to hear the word obedience. You know, it's not something that you hear obedience and you get like warm and fuzzies inside uh, your, your heart when you hear it. Even as a child, uh, I was in, in Sunday school and we'd sing a song about obedience, right? O-B-E-D-I-E-N-C-E, right? No one else, just me. That's fine. That's fine. It's a good song. But as a kid, I was still suspicious of that song as a kid, right? I was thinking, I'm pretty sure my teachers are just trying to trick me so that I'll do whatever they say. I don't know about this obedience thing. Uh, And as you get older, the term obedience doesn't become more endearing because all the situations in which you find yourself that you have to obey are not generally fun. Uh, You have to obey your boss or obey your supervisor, and they ask you to do things that you don't really want to do, but you have to anyway if you want to keep your job. Uh, Maybe you have a a family member that's kind of overbearing, that wants to force everyone to obey them all the time. Not a great situation to be in. Or maybe more seriously, you've come from a a bad church situation where the church leadership would, would try to force people to obey as a means of manipulating them. And so you hear the word obedience and you think, I'm not that excited about that. And the problem is that the Bible calls us to obey God. And so we bring all of those terrible connotations we have with the word obedience to God and and obeying him. And we think, obedience to God, well, that's, I guess I have to because I'm a Christian, I got to do those things he asked me to do, but I'm not that excited about it. Uh, it probably won't be very enjoyable for me, but I'll just get it over with and do the thing that God is telling me to do. Uh, this morning, I want to I challenge that way of thinking. I want to challenge that notion that obedience to God will probably lead to some sort of, of misery. Because I think all of those thoughts are completely misguided and inaccurate and not true of what obedience to God looks like. So today, the thing I want all of you to walk away with as we leave this morning is that obedience to God brings joy. That's what I want us to feel in our hearts and I want us to think and recognize that's what the scripture calls us to this morning, that obedience actually brings joy. So I'm gonna invite you to to turn your Bibles to, to Deuteronomy chapter six, right? Fifth book of the Bible, Deuteronomy. I know, I know, Blow off all the dust in that part of your Bible, right? Deuteronomy 6 is where where we'll be. And uh, as has been mentioned a couple times, it's Family Sunday today. And we've got a bunch of kids with us. If you're a kid joining us in the service, would you wave at me right now? I just want to see where you guys are all at. Hey, it's good to see you guys. Um, Thank you for coming. We're glad to have you here. Uh, You guys, you ask really good questions. Kids ask fantastic questions. Just this past week, one of my son's asked my wife Sylvia and I a question, and we looked at each other and both went, that is an extremely insightful question. And and I want to learn how to ask good questions like you kids do. Uh, So I've been thinking about it, and I think I've figured out your secret to how you ask good questions. And and that is that you kids ask 10,000 questions a day, and then like two or three of them are pretty good. So it's a good strategy I might start adopting. Just ask a lot of questions, and then I'll get some more more good questions. But I bring that up because in our text today, uh, we have a kid that asks an incredibly insightful question. A very, very good one. But before we read in Deuteronomy 6, I want to catch you up to speed as to to where we are in the Bible at this part of the story. So maybe you recall uh, the people of Israel at one point were, were slaves in Egypt. And and then God sent Moses to deliver them, and they escape from Egypt, and they wander across the desert, and then God brings them to the place where they're going to enter the promised land. And right before they go in, that's where the book of Deuteronomy picks up. And all along the way, when God freed them from Egypt, he he's given them some rules, and then he gives them some laws, and some commands, and statutes, and ordinances. And more rules. And even the chapter just before ours, in Deuteronomy 5, he gives them the Ten Commandments for the second time, just to make sure that they got all the rules. And and a kid's listening to all this that God's asked them to obey. And the kid's insightful question is, why do we obey God? Something that many of us think and are too nervous or scared to ask. Why do we obey God? Read with me in Deuteronomy 6, we're going to start in verse 20. And go down to verse 25. God's word says, When your son asks you in time to come, what's the meaning of the testimonies and statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Good question. There it is. Insightful question from a child. Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And it will be righteousness for us if we're careful to do all this commandment for the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Would you pray with me as we look to God's word? Father, thank you for your word. I'm always reminded as we open it that you didn't have to reveal yourself to us and yet you chose to. Uh, we, we could be people who have no clue what you expect of us, uh, the plans you have for us, God, and yet you've revealed them to us in your word. Lord, I pray that that would be precious to us this morning as we look to see what you call us to do and that we would find joy in the obedience that you call us to. We love you, Father, because of Christ we're able to pray. Amen. So why do we obey God? That's the question. And there are three answers we're going to see here, but we'll start with with the first one. And and the first reason we see for obeying God is is that obedience... Reminds us of our freedom. Obedience reminds us of our freedom, and that might seem a little counterintuitive to you. So, but when the child asks, "What's the point of all these rules? Why, why are we obeying God?" the parent responds by saying, "Oh, well, we were we were slaves in Egypt, and then God freed us." And I'm I'm sure the kid's thinking that doesn't really doesn't answer my question. <laughs> but that happened like 40 years ago, and I wasn't even there. Why, why do we? What are you trying to get at? And I think if we understand what Egypt was like a little more, it might make this answer a bit clearer. So if you recall, uh, the people of Israel are in Egypt. They went down there because of a famine. And um, one of their people, Joseph, was in charge. And so it was a safe place for them to be. But fast forward a couple hundred years later, and the people have been enslaved by a Pharaoh who does not care for them at all. And so he puts them under hard labor. They're making bricks all day long. He doesn't care uh, how painful it is. He just wants to get the work done. And he puts taskmasters over them who regularly beat them, sometimes to the point of death. And then he gets angry at them at one point, just starts taking their babies and throwing them in the river to kill them off. It's a horrible place to be in slavery. And God sends Moses to Pharaoh. And Moses says, Pharaoh, uh, God's people want to go out to the desert to worship him. They want to go out to the desert to serve him and pray to him and give him gifts. And Pharaoh says, no. No, you you can't go out to worship your God. You're slaves. You're not free to go uh, give gifts to him, free to go praise him and obey his commands. No, you have to stay here. You're mine. But then God intervenes. Right, He sends these, these ten plagues. They're great and grievous, as our passage calls them. And then they escape from Egypt and they get to the, the Red Sea. They're following this big, huge pillar of fire. And then God opens the Red Sea and they walk through. And then God closes it and crushes their enemies. And now the people are free from slavery. And they're so excited. The first thing they do after crossing the Red Sea is they start singing and praising God and thanking him and worshiping him. They couldn't do this before. They were slaves, but now they're free to do it. And very shortly after that, God says, hey, can you give some gifts? Because we want to build this tabernacle. And the people are like, we would love to give gifts. We couldn't do this before. And they start giving all kinds of gifts to Moses. So much to the point that Moses says, stop, settle down. We don't need any more gifts. You've given too many. They're excited to do something that they never could do before. And the fact that they recall that they were slaves and now they're free, that contrast makes it so much more vivid and exciting. Now, I don't know if you ever uh, have seen those videos on YouTube that are designed to make you cry. Uh, there's a lot of them. But some ones that I was watching recently are, are where these people who've been deaf their whole life, they, they receive cochlear implants, and they're able to hear for the very first time. And all the videos take place in a tiny little doctor's office, and there's just some some chairs and a desk with some computers and and stuff on it, and and the patient comes in, and the doctor, they install the little hearing device on both their ears, and they turn it on, and they go back to their desk, and then they start playing some clicks, and some beeps, and some rings, and you can see the person's eyes light up, They they're hearing, for the very first time ever. And and they're so excited that they get overcome with joy, and they start, they start crying, and then the family member who brought them in, they start crying, and then the doctor starts crying, and then I start crying, and everyone's crying because it's so exciting. You've witnessed the joy they experienced from going from I couldn't do it to now I can. I, I was bound and my body was impeded, and now it's been set free. And the fact that you see that contrast right next to each other so clearly and closely makes it so much more exciting. And so God calls his people, hey, remember the contrast of where you used to be and where you are now, because it increases your joy. Now, there are some people in this this room right now who understand this completely, and you get it. That There was a time in your life that you very clearly remember that you were a slave to sin, and you couldn't do things. You, you, didn't, you weren't free to care for other people and love self sacrificially, and you weren't free to be hospitable and kind. You were too enslaved to your own selfishness and pride, thinking everybody else around you was a, a fool. Uh, there was times when you were absolutely enslaved, perhaps, to a substance, maybe a drink or a drug, or you were a, a slave to promiscuity, and you couldn't treat people well, and And then God freed you. He freed you from that when you were saved. And now you do all of those things of of being hospitable and kind and caring for others and you're excited and you give. You think, I could never do this before. I'm so excited. There was this huge contrast from what your life used to be like and what your life like now. And by remembering that contrast, your obedience is so much more exciting and so joyful. Now, many of you might think to yourself, uh, Shane, I don't, I don't have that kind of story. But I, I became a Christian when I was really little. And so there wasn't this big contrast of what I used to be like and what I am now. I can't look back and remember that. Perfect. Good. Because you're the person that this text is actually talking to. Right? Remember, it's been 40 years since they were slaves in Egypt. And most of the people who were actually enslaved have died by now. And certainly the child who's asking this question was never a slave himself in Egypt. But every one of them is able to imagine what it would have been like to be a slave. And every one of them is aware very clearly that if God hadn't intervened, that's where they would be right now. And so the Christian attitude towards towards sin, when you see someone committing very grievous acts of sin, or you hear about someone that's very wicked or, or evil. We don't think to ourselves, oh, I'm not anything like that person. That person's another level of bad and and sinful, and I'm so glad that I'm not that person. But rather, the Christian attitude sees those things and says, that would be me if God hadn't intervened. I'm, I'm, I'm free from that because God saved me. And there's the contrast. There's the contrast you can remember that, thank you, Lord, that you've saved me and changed my life. Not because of me, it's because of you. And so I'm happy to obey. I'm happy to do those things because I'm free to do them. Freedom brings uh, joy. And obedience is how you experience that freedom. When, When God prompts you now to obey him, don't think of it as a painful experience, but recognize that there was a time you were deaf to his commands. But now you can hear them and you're able to obey them. And it's a joyful thing. God did more for the Israelites than merely uh, freeing them from slavery. Uh, He was bringing them to a place to give them a blessing. And so it's here we see our second point that obedience rewards us in our future. Obedience reminds us of our freedom, but obedience also rewards us in our future. The response to the child's question continues in our text in verse 23. He says, and he, he brought us out that he could bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. The, the reason we were freed is so that he could bring us to a new place, to something good and great. God, God's plan wasn't, I'm going to free you from slavery uh, and then just leave you there and, and say, I did my part, good luck. No, he says, I've got, I've got plans for you. I want to bring you to something good. This would be kind of like if, if you went down to the animal shelter this afternoon and you found yourself a beautiful little rescue puppy. And, and you, it was just the right one, maybe a cat, if you're one of those people, I don't know. Uh, you found the, the rescue puppy. You picked out just the right one. You fill out all the paperwork. You go through their little evaluation to make sure you're not a crazy person and you can watch a, a pet. Uh, and then you pay the fee. And you take your rescue puppy out to the parking lot and you let it go and say, you're free, buddy. I did it. Pat yourself on the back. Right? No, 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 no. You, you want to bless that little puppy. And you take him into your car and you put him in his special little puppy car seat. And you drive him home and you have that, that little collar that has his name on it and his address, probably a tracking device. And then you sit, he sits at your table with you and you feed him food that's more expensive than the food you eat, right? You cuddle up on the couch with a blanket and you watch movies together, right? Full disclosure, I am not a dog person. So I'm just imagining what you people do with your dogs. I don't, am I close? Is it something like this? All right, well, uh, the point being that you don't rescue the thing so you can abandon it. You rescue it so you can give it incredible blessings. And that's what God did. He brings them out of Egypt so he can give them awesome and incredible blessings. Now, the dog in your house, are there rules? Yes, yes. He, he can't uh, destroy all the furniture. He can't attack people. The dog can't mess all over the house or bark all night long. But the reason those exist so he can enjoy all of the awesome blessings you're trying to give him. And God's people experience the same thing. Hey, I want to bless you and bring you into this land. And yes, there are some things you have to do, but that's so that you can enjoy this blessing even more. Now, uh, let me be clear that we, we don't obey God to then receive salvation as the blessing, right? At this point in the story, the people have already been saved. They've already left Egypt and been freed. And then God says, I have more blessing I want to give you. And so your obedience is how you're going to receive and enjoy that blessing the best. So we, we don't become Christians by obeying. We become Christians by faith in Jesus Christ and trusting that he does all of it alone. And a second caveat is that unlike the blessings that Israel received, which were very much material, land, houses, vineyards, farms, all those things. When we obey God, we don't receive necessarily that kind of material blessing. God doesn't make that promise to us that if you obey me, you're going to get a bigger paycheck, you're going to get angelic little children, you're going to have easy living in your life. That's not a promise he makes. And so the hang up for a lot of us is, well, then what's left? Right, what's the blessing we're supposed to be getting here? It's not salvation. I'm not getting material blessing. What, what is it? And someone might say, Oh, well, you get a bigger mansion in heaven one day. And I think, I, it doesn't help me. Like, who, who, who cares, really? Uh, well, you get, you get a bunch more like treasures and, and jewels and, and crowns and stuff. And like, I don't, am I supposed to be motivated by money in the future? Like, I don't, I don't get this. And we think, what's the point of obedience? What blessing is there at all? And I think maybe clearing up our understanding of what the blessing of heaven is would be helpful here, Uh, because the blessing of heaven isn't that there's streets of gold everywhere. Christians aren't excited to be in heaven because there's big pearly gates and we get a mansion, but rather the best part of heaven, the blessing of heaven is that God is there and it's his presence we get to experience That the one who saved us and died for our sins on the cross, Jesus Christ will be there and we can look him face to face and say thank you and and love him and be loved by him and never have to leave his presence. He's there all the time and we're with him. That's the blessing of heaven. And the best part about the blessing of God's presence is you don't have to wait until you die one day to experience it. God wants to give that blessing of his presence to you now. And, and through obeying him, we learn to experience that blessing of his presence more and more readily. When we obey God and we start to a sense that joy that he brings us, the, the comfort he wants to give. We feel his peace and his love. We feel confidence in God's presence. And, and the more we obey, the, the sense of it just grows and grows and grows. And that's a much greater blessing than, God, if I obey you, I hope you give me a few more hundred dollars or a few thousand more dollars. Like that will, will vanish very quickly and not be that beneficial. But the blessing of God's presence with you, that's something that endures and will take you through way more. Now you might be thinking to yourself, Shane, I stepped out in faith a couple times. I, I tried uh, obeying different things. And let me tell you, I did not experience the blessing from it. Honestly, it was... Awkward. It was uncomfortable. It was a little weird. And so I, I don't think that the blessing thing you're talking about is necessarily going to apply to me. But this obedience I'm talking about is as some have described it, a long obedience in the same direction. And it's it's a continual obedience that brings this presence of God over and over again. As you, you choose, yes, yes, God, yes, God, yes, God, each time the, the sense grows. In you. And, and the people who have experienced the blessing of God, God's presence the greatest, are, are older saints who've been saying yes in obedience for the longest time. It, it isn't a sprint to get the blessing. It's, it's a marathon. We even see it in our, our text where God says, hey, I'm, I'm bringing you out of Egypt so that I can bring you in. He doesn't send them in. He says, I'm going to go with you the entire way. I'll be the one out to, uh, taking you out. I'll walk alongside with you through all those obstacles. I'll be the one bringing you in. And your obedience to me is the way that you experience my presence. Our obedience gives us the joy of remembering our freedom and the joy of reward in our future. But it's also only through our obedience that we really are exposed to the goodness of our God. Because third point, our obedience reveals to us our Father. Obedience reveals to us, our father, if you've been following the child's question in our passage, you may have noticed that the parent hasn't even addressed the rules yet. Like, why do we obey God and follow his rules? Well, he uh, freed us out of slavery and he's bringing us into a land and a blessing, uh, but they haven't mentioned the rules until now. Verse 24. And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as we are this day. And it'll be righteousness for us if we're careful to do all this commandment before the Lord our God, as he's commanded us, we're starting to see the heart behind God's commands. They're not just a list of arbitrary hoops that God wants us to jump through and see how good we are at it, but rather he says things like, I'm I'm asking you to do these things for your good, always. I I care about you. I have have compassion towards you. I want to see you preserved alive. I want you to be safe because I'm concerned for you. I want, I want you to experience righteousness. I'm trying to mold and shape your character, and, and obedience is the means by which your character is, is formed. And it even says in here that he wants us to, to fear the Lord by obeying his commands. Now, let me put a pause button on that word fear. Uh, that's not one that we're used to using in this type of sense, because we generally only use the word fear uh, in, in one way, right? As in terror and, and fright anxiety, and if something you're, you fear, you, you don't want to be near it. You want to get away from things that you fear. And so to use it for God, it feels a little clunky and odd. Uh, but the word fear actually has a range of meanings in Hebrew, a wide range of meanings, all the way from that, that terror and fright and anxiety we talked about to something a little bit more, more neutral, like reverence and awe for something. And maybe a submission to it, and allegiance for it, even all the way to trusting that something. And maybe the, the best word we have in English that has a, a wide similar range of things might be the word respect. Uh, because you can have respect for a loaded gun. Right? You, can, you can have respect for someone's opinion. And you can have deep respect for a close friend. And it's, it's a wide range of meanings, but the same word. And so that's how we use the word fear here in the Bible. I think in this instance, uh, the best way to understand fearing God would be a trusting awe of God. That, that as you obey him, you grow in your trust for him and who he is. And as you obey him, you're more and more in awe of how, how wise and good and, and amazing he is. But the converse then is also true that if we don't follow God's commands and we don't obey him, we start to become more suspicious of his character. Is he really good? I don't know. Is, is he really wise? I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. Because God has a tendency of planning things that we wouldn't have planned ourselves. He, he has strategies that we never would have dreamed up of. Uh, think about the, the escape from Egypt for a minute God calls Moses to to lead the people out of Egypt. And he says, take them over to the Red Sea. But there's an army chasing after them. Well, now they're at the Red Sea and they've got nowhere to go. And there's an army behind him. And you think this was a bad idea. This was a bad strategy. Why did we obey God and go here? But then God says, I'm just going to open up the sea. You're going to walk through. I'm going to close up the sea on your enemies. And they get to the other side and they see what God did. And they say, oh. That that was a good idea. You are, you are wise, God. You are a good God. We wouldn't have thought of that. It didn't make any sense at the time. But we, we can see your character now when we look back. Or maybe the best way we can, we can view this in the Bible is through the life of Jesus. God says, I, I want to save humanity from their sin. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to come down to earth myself as a little helpless baby. and And then, and then as that that baby grows up, he's going to convince all of the religious leaders and all the respected people um, in in politics and government at that time to hate him, just absolutely hate him, hate him to the point that they kill him. And all of us look at that and think, that sounds like a bad idea. I I don't see how this is a good plan. But then, God raises Jesus from the dead. He defeats sin, death, and Satan. He gives that resurrection life to all of his people who trust him. And we look back and say, oh, God, you're good. God, you're wise in a way that I'm not at all. And, And if Moses had never obeyed, then we would never have learned about God's good power. If Jesus hadn't been obedient to the point of death, we would not have seen God's gracious compassion for us. And it was obedience that led to the revealing of God's character. When you hear God's command and call in your life, the the appropriate response then is not, is this a good idea? God, are you good in this situation? You want me to do a thing, but I don't think it seems like a wise idea. Rather, God says, hey, listen to me, follow through with my commands and you'll see how good I am. You'll see how, how wise it was when you, when you look back one day. Uh, my, my role here at, at this church is I'm the, the pastor of adult discipleship. And so my hope for everyone in this room is that we'll be moving forward in our, our discipleship, following Jesus. We'll be growing in our maturity as Christians and so, our staff and, and myself are constantly trying to create environments and opportunities and events where, where you can get a part of that, where you can obey God and experience the goodness of His character after you've obeyed. That you get to, to grow in, in learning about the joy that He offers by doing different things. Uh, maybe the idea of, of serving little kids at VBS gives you some sort of like anxiety. Oh, or maybe you're like, I just don't want to, I'd rather spend my week doing things for myself and I have other plans that would just be, be a little bit easier for me. Uh, but giving, like, ah, if I give money or I give donations, I'll have to give up something else for myself. And you're not excited about obeying. But I say, if you obey, if God places a call on your heart and you follow through, you'll look back and be so thankful. Like, God, you were right. This was good. I'm glad I obeyed. Or maybe, as I mentioned at the top of my sermon, that God's God's calling you to be baptized, and the easy response in your heart is that's not it's not really a big deal. It's not really for me. It's just you're just getting in some water in front of people. I don't like being in front of people. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that thing. But I promise you, if you obey God's command, you do what He's asked of you, you will not regret it. You'll look back with gratitude and a greater trust for God and awe of God. And whatever that thing is that God's been placing on your heart and prompting, if, if you're experiencing that, don't say no. Don't, don't say no to God. Respond to him and you'll be glad you did. Now, children, I haven't forgot you guys are here. Kids, I have a job for you. All right. After we leave here today, when you get in the car, With your family, I want you to ask your parents a question. I want you to ask your parents, why do we follow God's rules? And parents, I want you to answer your children and tell them about the freedom you've experienced in Jesus Christ and how you're now joyfully obeying his commands when you could not do it before. I want you to tell your kids about the great blessings you've experienced by obeying him. And, and tell them about his character that you've learned and become familiar with through obedience, about his goodness, his love, his, his wisdom. If there's no kids in your car, you can have this same exact conversation with a friend or a spouse or whoever it is you, you came with this morning. And I think you'll find that every single time any of you have stepped out and obeyed God and, and followed through with the things he's commanded to you to, you've experienced the joy that obedience to Him offers. Let's pray. Lord, we are we are thankful that your commands are not burdensome. God, you you don't you don't give us uh, rules, you don't call us to do things to, to weigh heavily on us, to crush us. God, but you you command our obedience for our good always. Lord, I I pray that we get a sense of that joy, that we would experience uh, the blessing of your presence through obedience. Father, thank you. I pray that uh, the thing that you're calling each of us to do this morning, that, that your voice would be extremely loud in our ears, so loud and so clear that we would have to verbally say either no or yes, God, I'll follow you and obey you. Thank you that your spirit challenges us in that way. We love you, Father. It's because of Christ we can even approach you in prayer. Amen.